You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie. Hi, guys. I'm excited to talk about the episode with you tonight. Jenna Pace. Hey, everybody, who's up for two for one? And Vinny Hatcher. Hey, guys, did you miss me? Yes. Yep. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> Katie, you can't miss him. You're just now interacting well, with him. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking for everybody, Jeff. <laughs> okay, I like well, it. Well, does it help that I've, like, followed the Storybrooke mirror for, like, two-plus years now? So, I mean... Yes! Oh, my gosh, yeah. That was how I found the audition. So, we've kind of hey. met indirectly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It's perfect. I like that. Or you might have met her evil twin. Boom, boom, boom. Katie knows who I'm talking about. Because I'm actually referring to a person. Shh, oh, okay. She doesn't listen to us. Who cares? Is it kind of? I have this friend named Enid, and I joked with her. Her evil twin was her her name uh, with a different letter, Unid, instead. Or is it an actual person? It's an actual oh, person, but yeah. it does begin with the same letter her name does. Oh. Anyway, let's jump into our recap of season seven. <laughs> now that we've derailed. Yes, as I'm stirring the pot, let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 7, which was titled Eloise Gardner and aired November 17th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. In pursuit of revenge, Hook seeks a dark and powerful magic, but an encounter with Rapunzel could alter his fate forever. Meanwhile, in Hyperion Heights, Ivy's plot to take down Victoria intensifies and has unexpected consequences for Jacinda and Lucy. Rogers enlists Henry and Tilly's help in his ongoing quest to find the missing Eloise Gardner, but what he discovers isn't what meets the eye. Alright, let's check in on the ratings for Season 7. Episode 7, Once Upon a Time, was viewed by 2.57 million total viewers with a .5 in the demo rating. It was steady with its first hour of this special 
two-hour, two-episode broadcast. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and since uh, he was gone, he was missing, but Rogers found him. Let's start off with uh, Vinny. Ooh, daddy! I mean... Hi. <laughs> oh. Uh, now, I I actually really really enjoyed this episode. I, I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel at the beginning of the hour because I always like to like read a little bit of spoilers before I watch it during the week to like get my fix. But at the end of the episode, I literally was just kind of sitting there like I, I don't know where to begin. I, there's this and there's that. There's this. This this was a really solid episode. I think. Awesome, Jenna. What about you? Well, I had a lot of feelings. I think that there were a lot of really good things done in this episode. There were some things that were done not as well. I'll get into that later. But I think that it's an interesting bag of things. So, yeah. I would agree. It's like a potpourri. (laughs) (laughs) Does it smell like Gothel? Maybe. (laughs) Probably. If you've taken a whiff. Katie, what about you? Have you taken a whiff? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I, with your words. I know. Thank you so much for the help. That helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, this episode was okay to me. I don't know. It, we got a lot of good stuff in this episode and, and, um, talking about um, plot twists specifically. Um, but I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of this episode just because I felt like it was really choppy for some reason. It didn't hold my attention that much. So it wasn't my favorite, but I, I did appreciate some of the plot twists that were in there that um, gave us answers that we've been looking for. So um, I can appreciate it for that. All right, we do have a potpourri. We've got like a mixed bag. I'm prob- exactly. Yeah, I'm probably on the side of uh, more positive feelings for the episode. I liked it. I thought it was a decent episode. Was it as fantastic as some of the more fantastic episodes of the season so far? No, but I thought it was a strong episode. I'm not going to lie. I like that something that I just threw out as a crack theory a couple of podcasts ago actually came true. Yes. Which was amazeballs. And I still feel like the other thing that I threw out, that lady Jermaine is Rapunzel. The real one. Um, I feel like that's going to be true as well. So if uh, that is, then I am on the hype train. I've got my ticket ready. But, uh, yeah, so I guess maybe, I'm not going to lie, that my own little tutage of my horn is what makes me feel a little bit better about the episode. But so I know. Well, what can you do? Um, I, I wished it, and the realm became real. And so, yeah, so overall, I thought it was a decent episode. It, it was It was fine. So, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. 
You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get into it, and let's start off as we usually do with a quick shout-out to the opening title card sequence, which featured, uh, I guess, the gate to uh, the uh, witch's secret garden. It's not a metaphor, it's an actual secret garden, and it's featured in uh, the foreground. All right, so y'all know how we do it. We start off in the past with the flashbacks, and we flash back to the Wish Realm. It's shortly before the evil queen in the Wish Realm is to cast her curse, the Dark Curse. But we all remember that in the Wish Realm, the wish was that the evil queen never got the chance to cast the curse. She was stopped before she could do it. So, uh, Hook is, um, you know, ready to go to the land without magic, to, you know, revenge, revenge, revenge is going to be his, and all that kind of stuff. But, Snow White and Prince Charming have stopped the Evil Queen from casting her curse. So, uh, the Evil Queen ends up running into Hook, and, um, you know, she basically is trying to... uh, stow away with them on their pirate ship to uh, get away from the uh, angry villagers, basically. And uh, she offers Wish Hook um, basically a trade. If she can get on the ship, she will tell him where he can uh, procure some magic from this tower in a different realm so that uh, revenge can finally be his against the crocodile. The only problem is is that this tower is guarded by an evil witch. So Hook agrees and Hook is on his way with Wish Realm Smee to uh, this 
tower. And so he arrives and he, you know, he climbs the tower and he finds Rapunzel instead uh, with the hair and the uh, pots and pans and everything. And she explains to him that she has been trapped by a witch into this tower. She can't leave. She even shows us uh, that she's magicked in. And the only way she can get out is to retrieve a golden flower from the witch's secret garden. And uh, he, he says that he will, but um, obviously she's nervous that he's going to run away with um, the golden flower because he's expressed his need for revenge, but he promises he will return. And so off he goes with Wish Me. They find the garden, they start looking around, uh, apparently uh, the garden is enchanted so you have to sing to reveal the golden flower. They start singing like a pirate's song and all it does is it awakens this protector of the garden, a uh, garden gnome that grows into a giant, and then Wishhook starts singing a lullaby, and that exposes where the golden flower is. They find it. Uh, the um, garden gnome explodes, and everyone's happy. So uh, Hook sends Smee off, and and after sort of like discussing, um, you know, just children and whatnot with Smee, uh, Hook sort of, uh, you know, has a change of heart and ends up returning to the tower and uh, he gives the uh, flower to Rapunzel and he's trying to find out how it's going to work and she's like, oh, you know, it's magic basically. And so now that she knows she's going to escape, she's like, you know, I, I, I haven't been with someone in a long time. <laughs> And so <laughs> they end up having sex and in the morning Rapunzel reveals herself to actually be the witch. It turns out the real Rapunzel thwarted the witch ages ago and the witch has been um, like lusting over revenge against Rapunzel for the longest because she has been trapped in the tower. And so now that she is free, she can go and enact her revenge on uh, the real Rapunzel. How is she free? Well, it turns out that whatever magic Rapunzel used to trap uh, the witch, who is revealed to be uh, uh, Gothel, that someone in the witch's lineage must be sort of trapped in this tower. Yes, she's a witch. Yes, she had sex the night before. And yes, she has a, not a full-grown baby, but she's got a, a, a baby baby <laughs> already. And so, wish hook is perturbed about the whole situation. You know, you're going to leave the baby? Like, the baby's going to be here by themselves? And so, um, Gothel just ends up saying, yep, and she leaves. And so, Hook uh, it, it is, um, you know, 
uh, is wanting to care for the child, so he ends up giving the Jolly Roger to Smee, and he decides to stay with his daughter, and uh, he's like, you need a name, you know, uh, I'll give you the name of, uh, you know, a woman that was very good to me, my mother, I will name you Alice. Gas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I figured we should I, I should just go through the flashback because it was pretty straightforward and I know we all have feels about it. So, uh, okay, Jenna, you can go first. What did you think of the flashback as a whole? Thank you. Um, so I want to go over the good points of the flashback first. Um, first, it was really great to see Smee and Hook back together. I've always loved their dynamic. Um, Chris, I met him at uh, OnceCon, and he was just a real sweetie. I'm even writing a fan fiction from Smee's point of view. So I like that character a lot. I thought it was amazingly heartwarming when Smee was given the Jolly Roger by Hook, and that's just a testament to their friendship and their camaraderie. Um, I think, as you heard earlier, I was very happy to learn to it for it officially to be confirmed that Alice is, in fact, Wish Hook's daughter. I actually screamed and alert, and my puppy went like crazy when I when he said Alice to the baby, and I was just so happy. Um, I liked that we got to see the evil queen in the flashback. Like that was a cool way to uh, to show off what happened to Regina in this realm, where she never cast her curse, and kind of like get a little glimpse as to how that happened. Um, we got to finally know about Hook's mother, and that actually confirmed a theory that I had for a while, where she died when he was really young, and there really wasn't much complicated about it. Because he's never mentioned her in any capacity, so I've always thought, okay, she either died in childbirth with him or very soon after he was born, and it seems like that was the case. And um, finally, I think that Hook had like a really good, interesting um, a character, and his reasons for like going towards redemption made a lot of sense. So those are the good points, and now I want to discuss the bad point that I had with the episode, and that was the fact that Hook was raped. It was raped by deception. I think that this show just should not be handling a topic like this. I feel that they haven't done it really well. This is the third, fourth time that this has happened on the show, and it's weird because I think Once Upon a Time has more male victims of rape than any show. They just don't do it well, and... Wait, fourth? Because I can uh, count three. Graham, Robin, Guinevere, and now Wishhook. Because, like, you... Because Guinevere, like, was basically mind-controlled, and, well, you can kind of assume there was a little bit of married sex because her husband put her under the control. Anyways... Okay, um, but they were married before that, right? Yeah, they were. I mean, just, like, in the time after, like, Arthur used the powder on Guinevere... But anyways, um, there's two aspects to rape that I feel like makes it, like, a topic that can be handled on television well. That is framing and focus, and while Once Upon a Time definitely gets the aspect of we know how to frame rape as a bad thing, what they fail in is the focus, because we don't really get to see Hook react to it. We get to see, like, very subtle things, but... It's like he was raped, and that's something that needs a bit more attention. And given the show's track record, there's no guarantee that we're going to get it, especially after 
reading a lot of information over the weekend about the actors and the writers' reactions to the outpour about from the fandom about his rape on Twitter. So it kind of has me worried. I hope that they do do the right thing, but right now it leaves me less than optimistic. Anyways, I felt that I couldn't in good conscience talk about this episode without mentioning that, so those are my overall thoughts. Alright, before we continue on, because I feel like it is a valid discussion, Katie and I have treaded these waters before with Zelina, because we were podcasting during that storyline. So, Vinny, just... Do you have any thoughts on the subject? I know that uh, yeah. this issue is uh, is very um, controversial amongst oncers, and it's something that uh, does get brought up a lot in uh, the fandom. So, Vinny, you can go first before Katie and I yeah. sort of deal with so, it. So, I'm kind of torn on it because I agree with Jenna. It, it is a really bad thing, and I think the way that it was done could have been handled better. I fully agree with that. Uh, because it was very sudden. It was like he didn't really react as much to it happening. And I I think that it is a trope that they have used multiple times now. So in the storytelling aspect, I really think that it was a bit redundant and they could have come up with a better plot device than, you know, magical disguise sex because that's what Zelina was. On the other aspect of it, as far as character... The one thing that I have done, like, I've been a writer a lot of my life, and, like, I've written a lot of good villains, uh, or good and good people and villains is what I meant to say. And I think in the character of Gothel, um, it is definitely something that I can see and believe her doing. And in the Once universe, I can definitely see people who are driven by revenge and, you know, driven to whatever means necessary to do what they do. It is an instrument, you know, that they will do because villains are going to be villains and villains are going to use people and throw them away. So I can understand why the show has done it, but at the same time, they've done it, like Jenna said, like three or four times now, and it's something that I really think they could have done. There's plenty of other things that could have been used as the plot device for the birth of the baby, and this just felt kind of lazy on my, from my perspective, that it was just, let's go back to the Zelina that we did before. All and right. Pretty, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you had, you know, some more to say. All right. So, I feel like Katie and I are sort of on the same page. And Katie, I'll let you go next, so if you aren't... Uh, you can chime in, but I feel like we're somewhat similar-ish in in POV when it comes to this. Listen, they've done it before. It, it was never handled properly the first time around, or the second, or the third. I'll be honest. I don't listen. I know that spousal rape is a thing. I don't think we ever really saw them have sex, so I personally didn't even think of Guinevere in this whole sort of situation in regards to assault and once upon a time when they did it with Graham like I was really bothered with it and I hate that I'm calling him Graham because that was his storybook name when they did it with the Huntsman um I was bothered by that because that was clearly you know him like being forced to do something and I love Regina and I will defend Regina on a lot of things I cannot defend her on that like that whole storyline was icky and 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 gross 
when they did it with Zelina, where Zelina was Marion, I guess what they were trying to do is sort of like the old uh, soap opera trope. And unfortunately, in, you know, the year 2010 plus, that trope is very tricky to pull off, especially if you are on a show that doesn't deal with that kind of subject matter if once upon a time was a like straightforward drama then they might be able to deal with it like this type of subject on a Grey's Anatomy or a scandal how to get away with murder um law and order SVU would be handled better because that type of shows or those types of shows deal with sort of like real life issues in a real life kind of way. And so the ramifications and the trauma and whatnot would be handled a bit better. This is a fantasy show. It's, you know, a a fantastical drama. And I, I don't know why they bring those elements in, especially since... When Zelina did it many moons ago, the backlash was big by those that felt very passionately about what happened. And, you know, the backlash was uh, completely uh, understandable and, you know, and it was warranted, you know, because it it was a just a weird situation that wasn't even really addressed properly properly on the series to be quite honest and this is coming from a Zelina fan I love Zelina but that whole storyline left me feeling icky and gross as well and so now they do it again and this time around not even to try to excuse them I mean obviously it it was um, rape by deception I don't understand why I mean the actress that's playing Gothel is beautiful i mean she isn't you know some hideous troll you know what i'm saying like she could have been herself and seduced um hook like i don't understand why she had to transform into i guess a younger princess like i really don't understand why they chose to do that she could have easily had been herself and said that her name was Rapunzel and not shared that she was a witch. Like, I don't understand that. Uh, I was reading somewhere online where someone was like, well, it's not really this or the other. It's sort of like, you know, when women dress themselves up and, and seduce men and that kind of thing. And I don't know if I f- fully agree with that, but I, I get where they're trying to go with it. It's just, it's a sticky situation. And, um, it just, it left me feeling icky. I'll be honest, it didn't bother me as a whole, but it still was kind of icky and gross. So, and it was, it, it's interesting, Jenna, you mentioned that once has had a lot of, um, when it, whenever it has to deal with assault, it's always the men getting assaulted, which I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of would rather see that than the women to be quite honest i mean it's they're doing something different that really isn't seen on tv the only problem is is that they don't handle it properly if this was like an actual drama where we could see the trauma that's been had then that would make for a richer storyline but because we don't see that at all it's almost like 
um, rape being used or assault being used as a plot device, which like no one should sit well with that at all. I kind of have a theory and it's going to make the writers sound like really, really bad. (laughs) Um, But when you pointed out that when Zelina did it, there was such a humongous backlash. If you put yourself in the perspective of somebody who maybe decided not to watch this season or maybe watch like the first episode or hasn't watched in a while. And then your friend comes along and that has been watching it and is like, oh, my God, Hook got raped. You're probably going to be mad, but you're probably going to at least check out that part of the episode. So there's always the devil's advocate chance that they opted for this plot device because it was was such a controversial thing back when Zelina did it that they, you know, because I have friends in the entertainment industry. And one of the things that, you know, I've, I've learned is that it's not always the good content that leads to ratings. Sometimes it's the more controversial topics being introduced multiple times in some cases that people will flock to watch an episode because of that controversial topic matter. That's interesting. Yeah, I like I don't I don't know if I fully buy like cuz I read this all over the internet when it happened with Zelina and Robin like a lot of people were like, "Uh, I'm going to stop watching the show. I will never watch it ever again. I'm disgusted." But I don't think anybody left because of it. Oh, I no. I know that there was like a huge to-do all over social media from the Twitters to the Facebooks to the Tumblers uh, and the Reddits of people like really uh, complaining about it. And uh, the thing that I think is probably the most annoying about the whole situation is like, I don't know, the way the writers address the situation. Like, if they would handle it a little bit better, if they would express whatever, 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 this is why, out of a storyline point of view, or, you know, we don't necessarily see it this way, this is how we saw it. If they could explain themselves a little bit better, I mean, they have, what is it now, um, 280? characters to use on twitter to express themselves now you know use all of those characters to just um i don't know try to explain why you decided to go through this trope especially again and especially after the controversy like after the huntsman i mean there was backlash like after zelene and robin there was backlash and over the weekend just reading the stuff like you know it, it got Uh, very intense and a lot of people did threaten to quit to watch and i'll be honest i highly doubt any of them will be quitting so in two weeks they'll return because they want to see what happens next so katie you have not gone Uh, okay well i feel like i really can't add much more than's already been said by all three of you because i agree with different points that all three of you have said, especially you, Jeff, I, it's never okay. It's never okay in real life. It's not okay on screen. What matters to me is how it's being portrayed, how it's being dealt with in the aftermath. Correct. Yeah. Because I was, well, let me just add in, because rape, obviously it is a real life issue. So, Having depictions of rape on screen, whether it's in film or in television, if it's handled properly, it can help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But this yeah. is not the kind of show that handles this that's, properly. 
<laughs> no, exactly. And that's the problem here. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if they dealt with it in a proper manner. And I'm not going to put it past them that maybe they will deal with it better later when Aelis breaks out of her curse. Well, when they both break out of the curse and they're able to talk about the relationship. Maybe they will talk about it later. I'm not going to put that past them, but knowing their past and how they've dealt with in the past doesn't put a good spin on it for the future. So I'm crossing my fingers that maybe they do a better job this time. I'm going to hope for that. But, I mean, it's always how you deal with things in the after effects. And... You know, TV and film fiction fiction is very powerful in being able to help people and being able to show healthy responses to things. And that's why a lot of people turn to fiction is to deal with things that are going on in real life and being able to find solace or strength in something similar that's happening in fiction. And I would love for ones to have been able to have handled a topic like this correctly um they obviously didn't this time and like you said it really there were a whole lot of more creative ways that they could have handled it or handled um rogers having a child um in this episode instead of having to go back to this storyline again for the third time um Especially when they know how much of an uproar they got after the last time. Um, but obviously they don't learn their lessons. <laughs> no. Nope. So it bothered me. I feel like I could just ramble on about this forever. But it bothered me because it's gross and because it wasn't handled correctly. But it didn't bother me, I guess, to the point that it bothered a lot of other people where I'm going to threaten to not watch the show or whatever. It's just annoying and I wish they would have gone another route. Well, and I think too, and, and this is kind of why I'm on the fence. I we still haven't seen the culmination of this story. Exactly. We, yeah, we saw the actual rape by deception. We have not seen Gothel potentially get her comeuppance or see mm-hmm. what I would have liked to see is in the flashback, I would have loved Hook to at least acknowledge you raped me. You you used me, you know, something like that. But that could come mm-hmm. later. Exactly, exactly. And I think that when people uh, make these quick, well, I'm just going to quit watching assumptions, it's hard, be- especially with the TV show, because you have, you know, breaks that come up, you have to wait a week between episodes. You, It's not a flowing movie where you get to see things yep. take place in a nice manner. You have to wait, and you have to wait to see what the outcome's going to be. And just because we didn't get it right away um, doesn't mean that we won't get it in the future. So, I mean, I'm crossing my fingers that we do get some sort of um, some sort of resolution for this in the future. But I think, yeah, it's just... I'm, I'm really hoping that they deal with it correctly, especially because Gothel is a villain. And she's hopefully going to pay for the things that she's done and i hope that they do address it when she does finally when they do finally come upon this and confront it in the manner that it should be confronted with so crossing my fingers for that all right so before we move on just because i want to 
make it clear what I was stating, because I was just thinking, I was like, did that sound right what I said? When I said that I'd rather the men get assaulted than the women, I mean, in the past, in all types of media, it was always women getting assaulted, women getting raped, so I, if I'm going to give them any types of props, it's that, you know, they haven't gone to the usual trope of a female character getting raped so they haven't gone the stereotypical route i just wish that this show like didn't handle it at all like this isn't game of thrones you know yeah so you know i I just yeah i hate that they've gone to the the well again but, I mean, what can you do? And to the people out there that were bitching about, this is a family show, you'll have to realize that, yes, families do watch Once Upon a Time, but Once Upon a Time is regularly rated TV 14. I wouldn't let my young children watch the show, to be honest with you. Yeah. Not because of things like this, but yeah. other content as well. Yeah. Like, I have a 10-year-old cousin... Like, just the promos of, like, Rumpelstiltskin from a couple years ago, like, freaked him the fuck out. He's He doesn't even want to try to watch it. I've been trying to get him to watch it. Because I feel like, you know, once you get into the tweens, you know, it's acceptable. Mm-hmm, but, yeah. I, yeah, to all the people are like, it's a family show. I'm like, this, it's not really. Like, it's almost like, you know, saying, like, reality shows, like... American Idol, uh, Dancing with the Stars are family shows as well, when they regularly use uh, strong, well, not strong, but strong language for broadcast television and uh, suggestive dialogue as well. So, yeah. Well, it's like I used to work with someone. She came in one day and she's like, my son was up all night with nightmares. I can't believe what they put on TV. And I asked her what it was and she let her like five-year-old watch Game of Thrones. What? And she was like, how could they put that in a fantasy show on TV? And I was like, "Um, did you look at the ratings? Did, did you miss the wow. strongly advised parental guidance? And that one's TVMA on right. premium cable. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, wow. Parents. Parents just don't understand. All right. So let's get back into the flashback now that we dealt with uh, the particular issue, the assaulty issue of the flashback. Continuing on, Jen already gave her opinions on the flashbacks as a whole. I will continue on and say that, number one, I loved that my whole little thing of Gothel being Rapunzel like ended up coming true, although in a not really, she wasn't really, really Rapunzel kind of way, but she did act like Rapunzel, or she transformed into Rapunzel the first time we saw her. So, I will give myself a pat on the back for that one. Yay. As far as the storyline, I like the usage of the garden. I love the usage of music and the lullaby. And, I mean, I thought all of that was, like, really unique and interesting. I loved the shout-out to Rapunzel apparently thwarting her. And I'm still going hard for the fact that uh, Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel. You know, Rapunzel, maybe it's Rapunzel Tremaine. Who the hell knows? Or maybe she changed it to whatever, but maybe she changed it to Lady. That's her first name. And the Tramp. Yes. (laughs) But I love it. I love my theory about that, and I'm still feeling like that's going to be true. So writers, don't disappoint me. And the whole concept of, um, like, Wish Hook 
getting derailed from him like seeking revenge because of his daughter i thought that was really nice as well and i wonder because like the baby was like a full-blown baby in just like the span of hours if that's going to continue on with alice like if she will grow up pretty fast per se so that's going to be interesting to see and uh, the tower it was the same tower from the previous episode which was awesome and that's also why i think um it was lady tremaine because why would um yeah well i won't go into that but yeah, I, I feel like Rapunzel is Lady Tremaine. And now I'm curious as to how the tower, like, explodes. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But overall, besides, you know, the controversial aspect of the flashback, I thought it was a decent flashback. I liked seeing the Wish Realm. I liked seeing Wish Realm Evil Queen again. And, um, you know, I- I'm... Glad that the theory that we all had basically from the beginning ended up being true. Although it kind of sucks that it was true, just because we all figured it out very, very, very early on. But, um, yeah, so it was still heartwarming to see. Vinny, what about you? The flashbacks overall. So I I think the funniest thing, I I have to segue for a second and say that my boyfriend actually was forced to watch this episode with me last night and he hasn't watched since last season and trying to explain the background leading up to this episode was absolutely so difficult because he's like, is that hook? And I'm like, no, that's hook, but not hook. And, you know, so it actually led me to kind of like, at first I was really confused because when they created the wish realm, there was kind of an anachronistic conundrum because... I thought the Wish Realm was created and these people just had memories of the past from the moment the Wish Realm was incepted. Um, so that it actually, it, it, it was this whole weird like philosophical thing going on in my head. And finally I just realized, no, I guess what really happened is when the Wish Realm was created, its alternate existence was created, but so was its past. And so it was really, really, it, it hurt my mind for a little bit to wrap my mind around the beginning of the episode, because uh, at first I was like, wait, why is Hook giving up? Because I thought it was the real the real realm, uh, because I missed the part where it said Wish Realm many years ago. Uh, but uh, other than that little funny little side note, I, I really enjoyed this flashback, because it really did provide just more of an insight into where Hook was, where this Wish Realm Hook's history was, because I was really worried that we weren't going to get to see much of that beyond when he got turned into the younger version of himself. I liked that it was such a direct parallel to our hook. You know, it was really, really nice the way that, you know, he was budding with his guys, seeking revenge. And then in comes the petulant evil queen, which I died for Lana in that scene because she really, if you took away the evil queen's magic, what was she but just a petulant emo little teenager, you know, like, I want my revenge, but I can't have it. It's not fair. And and that's, she played it to a T. It, it just watching her, like, try to strangle Smee and then realize her magic had been neutered, like, that was just the perfect look on her face. Um, <clears throat> moving forward past the beginning, I really did enjoy the lead up to Rapunzelception, as I'm calling it. Um, 
the the garden was really cool. I loved the double entendre kind of little Easter egg they had of like a garden with a gate that was secret and they were singing Secret Garden Musical anyone? Um and the gnome of doom I could have probably done without because that was honestly some of the like worst CGI that I've seen on the show in a while. Hater, long time. I liked him. Yeah. Hater, <laughs> you too, Katie. And I am like the CGI pickaholic, as Katie knows. But here's the reason I, I liked him. I, I, I was okay up until he did the like mummy disintegration implosion explosion it kind of looked like he just was holding this fart in and then it just made his face blow up i don't know it it, it was just really the the blow up part was awkward gnomes like fart too i know they do they totally do um there was a and really katie's well- a hater <laughs> i thought to um to hook actually getting the flower and like the gnome about to like decapitate him uh the the build up of the suspense of that was actually really well done it wasn't farcical um the i i'm kind of torn on the whole flower thing because the flower thing could have used a little bit more exposition as to what the flower does it they said it's going to imprison the dark one and she said it's going to help me get out of here which we obviously know that was not the case it was the baby but i i don't know i'm we talked about this in my last recording where it's ding plot device my little bell that i like to joke about every time they use a plot device i wish they would stop relying on these items oh wait no because now i'm thinking about it and not to totally derail your point so please remember it but what if the flower helped like the baby grow really fast like maybe because you yeah, know, if not, she would have been she would have been pregnant for nine months, and she wouldn't be able to leave for nine months. So the flower helped the baby, helped her give birth in the, the span of thirty minutes <laughs> yeah. or less. It's the morning after flower, but yes. it's the opposite. <laughs> thirty minute babies coming um, next month from the Food Network. I know. Oh my gosh, Katie, <laughs> she's was... gonna eat the baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crap. That's I a callback. That's a call. The- that's a callback to when Zelina first appeared on the show because she always wanted the Charming's baby, and we kept yeah. on wondering why. And like my whole thing, <laughs> like the recurring gag from me was that she was gonna eat the baby. <laughs> she never did eat it the baby, great, yeah. but it was I still. You would never hear that again. I know. The visual <laughs> was, was of, funny. Um, I think for me, it, it wasn't the baby aspect; it was the hook aspect. Like. I think I would have been much happier if Hook going to there wasn't to get this magic item. It was just that Regina said, there's this witch who, if you do something for, will be able to help you. She's powerful. You know, the double use of the flower just seemed kind of, it fell flat with me. And that's only because we've had so many, like, little, little, like, items they can get that came out of nowhere or, like, the beauty episode, it wasn't an item. It was just this mysterious profit that Juicy, or profit that, you know, Juicy pulled out of his back pocket. Um, but, I, I mean, it is what it is. It's not, like, a terrible thing, but I can be OCD and picky about those things. But, uh, yeah. uh, 
I the Rapunzel thing, just to call back to what you were talking about, Jeff, why Gothel felt necessary to present the illusion of Rapunzel, I think it just goes back to the whole cliche of the damsel in distress. Be I can't talk today, I said distress. Distress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, yes, the the actress playing Gothel is beautiful. Gothel herself maintains that beautiful facial features, but in her normal guise, she kind of looks like she just got off of a week at Burning Man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't know if Hook would have been as inclined to like lay with a dirty, muddy witch because um, she does. She she kind of looks like sketchy. Like, and I think she gotta take her. She gotta do something with that hair. Oh, yeah, I'll be honest, and this is gonna sound so wrong. It really looks like she doesn't bathe. No, it doesn't. True. She yeah, kind of looks. True. I I was a big part of like the goth subculture, and it just reminds me of when the girls would do the dreaded pigtails in the bright colors. It, I've seen what lives <laughs> in those braids. It's not pretty. Rush, but I think more psychologically, it, she was going for the "I'm a damsel in distress. I haven't been around a man in forever, and I'm pretty and clean." And you know, it, it's she was trying to do like capture the epitome of the feminine. And while I don't agree with that, I, I can see kind of like if I was in the mind of that character, why she did that. Um, <clears throat> and then after Rapunzelception, when he, you know, the the next morning, I. I I was really curious as to why we didn't see Gothel, like, raise her hand and disappear in a puff of smoke. I'm like, because it, it kind of looked like she was about to just jump out the window. She did. Yeah, and they didn't show it. So I was like, did she turn into a bird? I know. Uh, Same. I was like, what's going on? Maybe she flew with that magical flight or something? She flew with the hair, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh maybe it turns into, like, a, a helicopter. It looks very firm. I'm sure she could make wings out of it. Um, oh, Lord. But overall, coming next month to Fox. Yes, hairography. Um, Starring I, I that, Connie that, Britton. <laughs> and Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> um, the, the one thing that I did have a problem with was, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Hook have to journey somewhere far away originally to get to the tower right he had to go to a different realm okay so then i hope that was a really short journey because did anyone else notice how he just kind of did that and came back and left the baby oh. yeah i did i just think she was taking a nap at that time right. so it was like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she'll be good that the future to get her like <laughs> gotta give her some bourbon <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but I listeners do not give your children bourbon Yes, please. We do not endorse do not. this. You can tweet <laughs> Vinny Hatcher. Yes, I can. Um, I have to agree with you, Jeff, though. I, I do see the breadcrumbs pointing towards Tremaine being Rapunzel. And I am still dying to find out what Wish Hook did to Tremaine all those years ago that she alluded to way back in, I think, the first episode. I've yeah. Been... Now, maybe. I still hope they had sex. Consensually. I do, too. I do too. I kind of picture, like, a one-night stand, and he never, well, not called, but, I don't know, sent a pigeon or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I liked the, the flashback parts, minus what we already talked about in the beginning of the episode. Um, it, it was pretty solid, and the last thing that I'll comment on is it really struck my heart that the parallel of Hook's redemption 
what matched like the moment he found a new focus to love in our world it was emma in this world his redemption is found the correlation is in this innocent child that was brought into his life out of turmoil and deception he instantly went like the lion and like i'm protecting my cub this is my new direction and it mirrors what our hook did when he met emma granted his was a much longer transition from villain to good guy but it really helped bring the two worlds together and helped me invest more in this character because i did feel kind of kind of gypped a little bit when it was like oh this is wish hook but it i do feel more and more like every episode that i watch that it's really kind of hard for me to tell the difference anymore because he is turning out developmental wise like the same type of character as the original all right and katie it's your turn. Okay. Well, I really don't have that much to add, but I the gnome. I just I couldn't get past the Katie, gnome. you It bothered me. Katie. It was what has the, what have gnomes done to you in your life? Wait, have they invaded your property? Just, they have constantly in my gardens. All Jesus. I can think of is David the gnome. Katie has a secret garden. <laughs> That's the point of gnome return. <laughs> Very nice, Jenna. That was wonderful. Jenna, <laughs> thank you for your Jenna, input. you can leave. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> really, this coming from the person who managed to like include like three references to revenge is going to be mine in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I did. Yes, exactly. But Katie, <laughs> you're still a hater, and, and Jenna's nice. What? Aww. Well, gnome <laughs> problem. <laughs> okay, gnome, your anyways. bad self. <laughs> The gnome thing really just, I don't, it was one of those moments where I was like, my mom and I were watching, we're like, okay, anyways, when's the next scene? But, I mean, I don't know, it just bothered me, but that's beyond the point. I really, I did like the flashback. I think the flashback was what felt so choppy to me, because I don't, I really can't place my finger on it. This episode just felt choppy the way that they split up the um enchanted enchanted the magical forest versus the wish realm the wish realm that's correct and the magical forest all of them all the realms yes and tiberian heights two for the price of one Uh, exactly exactly (laughs) um i don't know if it's a way that they just edited them you know the cut scenes and everything i don't know it's it was just weird to me but Otherwise, I I did like the um, the uh, Wish Realm and all of that. I liked how we got to see Smee again. I loved how we got to see Wish Realm Regina. Um, that was a nice surprise. So yeah, we did get some great surprises in there. Um, but it was it was a pretty solid flashback. And one last point, the lullaby. Wow. I cried. It was beautiful. Really? I was looking. I'm so, I mean, they didn't tell us that he was going to be singing again. And we got to see him sing again in the show. And that was wonderful. I was so So, happy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I almost wish I could go back in time and join you guys for the musical recap. (laughs) I know. I wish you were there. I wish you guys were were there. (laughs) It was great. I I told Jeff when I first auditioned that, like, I think I told you I, like, drove home multiple times, like, singing Wicked Always Wings at the top of my lungs. <laughs> That's great. I like it. And I like uh, get into it, too. <laughs> yes. 
we got so we got treated again to Colin singing again, which was great. It was a nice surprise, and I re- that was one of my favorite scenes. And this one was not lip synced yeah. or auto tuned. No, so, oh, hey, the auto tune was kind of bad. That sounds awesome. Plus points there. It was great. So it was a good flashback. Not my favorite, but still good. And I liked how. I like even even if Rapunzel was technically Gothel, I liked how we got to see the classic um, Rapunzel with the frying pan thing. That was great. So. Oh yeah, the yeah. frying pans. Mhm. I did have one more important thought. There really was gnome point for the garden. <laughs> no, because I feel <laughs> like. <laughs> Jim, well, that was for you. I know. I got the pun, <laughs> but. Without the pun, I, I do feel like it was important to see uh, because oh, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I was just that was just for the pun. Me. Okay, I can dig it. You, that was you, just for the you pun dig of in it. the garden. It was. It was. All right. Oh wait, weird crack theory alert. Lady Tremaine's husband, Cinderella's father, Flynn Rider. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. Could be. Wait. Interesting. Her stepfather. No, it would have been step. No, she, that was. Yeah, it would have been her stepfather. Well, I c- we learned yeah. all about that in the second hour, but that just popped into my head because of the whole Lady Tremaine Rapunzel of it all. We'll get into that in the next in the next podcast, listeners. I'm breaking my own rules. All right, so now it's time to get into the present day. Hyperion Heights, and let's go through the teeny tiniest storyline of Hyperion Heights as fast as possible. So, remember Regina slash Ronnie? She has to put some distance between Henry and Jacinda. And they're getting closer and cozier working on that damn food truck. And uh, is like, you need to separate them. You know what happens if the curse is broken. I don't get my revenge, basically. And uh, everyone you love is poof. Like uh, the gnome. And so Regina offers Jacinda a job at uh, Ronnie's. Because Jacinda needs some extra money. And, you know, they still have to get the food truck up and running. And no Mr. Clucks. And so... uh, Regina starts offering Jacinda advice, like maybe you should focus more on, you know, getting custody of Lucy, because maybe Child Protective Services, they might look at you, you know, through the side of their eyes if uh, you have a brand new boyfriend, you know, that doesn't count as stability. You need stability to get Lucy back. It'll improve your chances. Focus on work and focus on Lucy don't worry, or don't even think about love. And so Jacinda and Henry already had sort of like a little date planned, but uh, Jacinda later on tells Henry, you know, I-, I can't, you know, I took a double shift, I need the money, I need, really need to focus on this, I'll let you know when we can go out again, you know, I- I'm really trying to get Lucy and all that kind of stuff. And so Henry ends up thanking Ronnie, for giving Jacinda the job, and um, and Henry also, you know, understands uh, what's going on with uh, Jacinda, even though he he's a little crushed that they won't be going out on a date. 
So that was the shortest storyline of Hyperion Heights. What are your all thoughts on uh, Henry and Jacinda and uh, Regina slash Ronnie meddling with their love lives? Uh, Katie? Okay. Um, I'm tr- yeah, I... I love, and I've said this before, I love Henry and Jacinta. And it's like, yes, we're getting close. Something's finally going to happen. And then, you know, we've got this whole thing where Regina can't let them get together right now. And so she's trying to subtly add these doubts into Jacinda's mind. And ugh, it's so disappointing because it was, you know, it, we're so close and uh, nothing happened. So that was unfortunate. Um, but, I mean, it, you know, it was a fairly good uh, story that was happening in Hyperion Heights. Um, nothing huge, but um, I have many other opinions besides for that. So there you go. I like it though. It's a <laughs> tiny storyline with tiny opinions. Jenna, go, exactly. what about you? <laughs> um, I thought this was a a really good um continuation of the tragic story that played out in the last episode with Ronnie. Um, it yeah, it, it's well, it is, it's kind of heartbreaking, kind of heartwarming. It's like she's doing everything she can to care for these people, but at the same time. She's taking the steps to separate them, and she's not happy about it, but she's doing it, and then Ivy's coming in and poking and prodding her just to do it like the devil on her back, but it's, well, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. I, it, it's great seeing Jacinda for, for a little bit just kind of in this happy mood working with Ronnie, like, at the beginning of the episode and flirting with Henry. So it's cool. I like getting a chance to see her in a more positive state because that's a little bit on the rare side for her. So, um, yeah, that um, there wasn't really much to say at all, but um, I I just genuinely like the story. It was good, tragic, um, cute at times, and nice. Not nice. Nice, not nice. Vinny, what about you? So, yeah. <laughs> it was a tiny storyline. I know, I know. And but that's see... all you have to say. <laughs> you think that I have different opinions? <laughs> okay, before I get into my, my opinion, I just, I just want to see if anybody else was waiting for Ronnie slash Regina to break out in a Rizzo song from Greece because, like, the kerchief around her neck and the way her hair... Leave her alone. She's trying to discover the proper balance between the pantsuit and the rocker gear. (laughs) I just kept waiting for her to be like, there are worse things I could do. You know? (laughs) But no, I, I... I think the highlight of this little segment was Regina slash Ronnie because uh, like I touched on before how some of the characters this season are like definitely flexing their acting chops. I think she did a really good job of like you can see Regina under the surface like dying to get out like there were a couple moments where she gave Henry this like longing glance where you could tell like I want to tell you the truth. You won't believe me but I'm your mom and you don't know and so I really loved her. Now Jacinda. 
I have a very, like, off and on again, liking her, disliking her, and I think I've pegged it. I like her in the flashbacks. I don't particularly care for her in the present that often. Because I'm used to seeing this actress from Devious Maids. I loved her. Loved Devious Maids. Yes! (laughs) When she played Rosie, she, I mean, she's such a vivacious, vibrant, passionate character in that show. And just in this, and it may be the curse, you know, deliberately. It is the curse. You know, I felt the same way about, uh, way back in the Dizay, about Snow White and Mary Margaret. Like, Mary Margaret was a buzzkill. Oh god, she annoyed the heck out of me back then. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, and and that could be that could be in the good then, but she just—it's very dishwater Eeyore to me. Like the the the. Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> oh well, I guess I'll have to pick my child over my love life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I, I just. She's just so susceptible, and she and maybe that is you know good on the writers for making her such a polar opposite of her fairy tale self. But I don't know. It, it just kind of like Katie said, the flashback just for some reason didn't sit well with her. This segment and Jacinda, like I can buy the curse making her more subdued, but I just it's hard for me to buy that she's this mother who's raised this strong-willed, beautiful girl was able to raise her while being a virtual turnstile. Like, it, it just, it's weird. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I loved Henry and Regina. I love the brief moment of happiness for him and Jacinda. Um, and Ivy, I'm living for her. I, I, I love her little, like, snippy. Well, we can't let that happen now, can we? And I'm done. <laughs> all right. So all of you gave a lot of uh, really good points. I really have nothing else to say to be quite honest i didn't mind storyline because i love me some regina and i like the continuity with you know what regina learned after she was awakened in the previous episode so seeing you know regina have to like break them up basically or at least you know put a uh, double shift sized uh stone in between them so they don't have have like a true love's kiss moment you know i was i was fine with it i like regina with ivy i think they're really fascinating and and there's just like a a magical spark there so that was a, a plus i don't mind jacinda i do like ella more just because you know which i think we're supposed to to be quite honest i i think yeah. We're supposed to be rooting for Jacinda, but we're supposed to like love the Ella version of uh, the dual personality. Ella's like of the, the juicy version. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we used yeah. to say juicy a lot because of uh, Sparkly Rumple. Oh, oh Sparkly right. Rumple. Well, we used and to he say told juicy. Me that, so now it's a thing for me. I know. We used to say juicy, and we would always go woo, because that <laughs> reminded us of like Rumple's essence when he's. And I told him juicy. I want him in the juicy sweatpants now. I know. <laughs> woo! I really want to see Sparkly Rumple again, so we can. Say- I know, so we can say juicy. Woo! woo. But, I know. Come on, Joe. What you doing? Let's yeah, go. maybe we'll see him one day. I don't know. Maybe. All right, let's get into the actual meat of uh, the present-day Hyperion Heights storyline. So, Rogers 
is focused, like laser beam focus on hunting for Eloise Gardner, especially after everything that's happened so far, the rune, the creepy guy, like the death of the creepy guy, like we need to find Eloise Gardner. And so Henry offers to help and Rogers reluctantly takes him on with that and they decide to get Tilly to help him find Eloise Gardner after some orange marmalade sandwiches, of course. So elsewhere, Victoria, she starts suspecting that someone is visiting the witch because she found a little teeny tiny speck of uh, really thick dirt, mud, whatever. And so she starts inspecting the cameras and she sees that the feed cuts out once the elevator's doors open. And I did say elevator because I love me some uh, tiny tunes. Elevator go down the hole. I don't know if anybody else watched that, but mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And so she's suspicious. And so immediately she thinks of uh, Ivy and she goes and right under her stilettos, she finds some of that uh, thick gunk. And so elsewhere or, or later on, uh, Weaver ends up informing Victoria that Rogers is searching for Eloise and this, that, or the other. And she basically warns and threatens Weaver to put an end to it. Or, you know, or, you know, basically, you know, bad things are going to happen. And so later on, Tilly ends up providing Rogers with a drawing Remember, Rogers has this journal slash sketchbook slash slam poetry thing from Eloise Gardner and um, this image that Tilly gave Rogers, this drawing, like perfectly lines up with a uh, torn page from the journal. And so, you know... Uh, she she also tells Rogers that the boyfriend of Eloise wait it was the boyfriend right an ex-boyfriend of Eloise yeah they were they were in the car together and uh, there was some sort of accident and Eloise died I believe wait now I can't remember what was the name she was going by Lorraine. It was not Lorraine. It was actually just Rain. Oh, Rain. Okay. There you go. That makes more sense. (laughs) Although not really. She was going by the name Rain. And so because she didn't have anything to ID her, and obviously Rain isn't her real name. uh, Maybe she knows how to make it Rain. But because of all that, like, no one could ID the body. And so that's why no one knew that Eloise Gardner is dead. I just want to say, when you said make it rain, thank you for making me picture Gothel on a stripper's pole. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, uh, 
Rogers, uh, we learned that, that Rogers, well, I don't want to say we learned. Well, I guess we learned a little bit more information, but Henry learns about Rogers' past with Eloise and the missing girl, and it, he was on a bender, and, you know, because of this whole situation, he has been clean and sober since then. And so, upon learning all of this, he is tempted to drink. He even has a bottle, you know, even in the stereotypical uh, brown paper bag. And he's about to chug a lug, chug a lug, but he doesn't. And, and he ends up spilling some of the liquid on this new page that Tilly gave him, and it smudges. And so, he immediately heads on over to Weaver. Side note, uh, Rumpel's dagger is in the evidence locker. So, um, it was great. That was yes. great. I love that. File that <laughs> under important stuff for later because it's not important right now. And so, <laughs> Rogers, like, is basically like, you know, I've studied this journal. I have dropped coffee on it. I have had birds poop on it. I have had my dog vomit on it. My dog has tried to eat the book and nothing happens. Nothing happens <laughs> at all to it. But I drop a wow. little bit of Hennessy or whatever it was. Mad Dog 4040. There you go. On it. And it smudges. So this is a forgery. What is going on? What's really going on? Now obviously we know that Weaver is awake. He knows who he is, and he tries to give Rogers some really good advice, like, let it go. You will not understand what's really going on. Like, I could try to explain it, but you won't even believe it. But there's something else that's going on, and you genuinely need to let this go. Trust me, I'm looking out for you. But Rogers is cursed. So he's like, no, you're not. You don't care about anybody. I will find out the truth. I will find out the truth. And, yeah. So, Rogers ends up cornering uh, Ivy. And uh, Ivy ends up initially, like, no, my mother... You know, she can't be involved in this, that, or the other. Because now, obviously, Rogers thinks that uh, Victoria is involved, especially after um, his conversation with Weaver. And so, um, they end up using... What was it? I'm trying to the remember. The car tracker. It was the car tracker that um, Ivy has in the car of... of uh, yeah, like a or whatever they're called. Okay. So they end up using that to track where Victoria is. So Victoria has whisked away the witch so that the witch cannot get involved with Ivy. And uh, Rogers tracks down... Victoria, there's this whole thing, you know, I, I arrest you, and um, when he opens the door, he finds the witch, and he's like, Eloise, and the witch says, yes, and uh, he's like, I'm here to save you, and she's like, yes, and so he whisks the witch away, Victoria is arrested. Ivy is there. 
Victoria learns that Ivy is awake. She's Drizella. And, uh, Victoria is, like, almost catatonic because she's like, you have no idea what you've done. You have no idea what you have unleashed into this world. And for at least half a second, Drizella looked like she shat herself because she's like, oh shit, what did I do? So... (laughs) Tilly ends up, you know, showing up as well because of the whole situation. Um, she apologizes to Rogers, and uh, you know, she was like, "I thought I could trust uh, Weaver," and so uh, they have a little moment, and uh, the witch stares at uh, Tilly from the back of uh, the uh, emergency vehicle that she is in. Bum, bum, bum. All right, let's break all of this down. Uh, Katie, what the witch is going on? Break it down. Uh, okay, well, there's a lot going on. Uh, I really, I'll start with the fact that I really liked this, this part of the story the most about this episode. Because I feel like we got some of the best acting from this storyline um i love that we finally did get some significant answers behind the eloise gardner case and we kind of closed it out a little bit but not not all the way because we we obviously know as an audience that we're gonna find out more and uh he's um, eventually, Roger's eventually going to wake up and he's going to find out who Eloise Gardner is and we'll go from there. But for right now, I really like what we got because I know everyone kind of had a couple different theories that Eloise Gardner was either Tilly or I think, I think we talked about this last time, Anastasia. or she was the witch. Oh, yeah, the witch as well. We said the witch... I think we said the witch early on because of the whole Mother Gothel of it all. Because of her garden. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we were like, she's a gardener. Or, you know, she works... She does the thing with the plants. I I think our three uh, were the witch. Yeah, the witch. It was the witch. It was Tilly. And it was Anastasia. As sort of like the wild card. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. So, I like how... We did finally get an answer for that specifically, and it was Gothel, and I liked how they revealed it, because, um, I don't know, I just, I like how Gothel and Ivy are working together, and that was such a flip from what we've been thinking of for the past, you know, for the first couple episodes where, you know, we were assuming that it was, um, it was, uh, Wow, Lady Tremaine, um, who is holding um, Gothel captive, and they were, you know, sort of working together or whatever. She was, you know, trying to get what she wanted out of um, Gothel. But then, you know, we had that flip where we found out that Ivy and Gothel are actually working together. And I liked the best scene to come out of this um, episode in particular, in my opinion, was the scene where Ivy is talking to her mother before um, she gets 
put into the back of the police car. That was so well acted on the parts of um, Adelaide Kane and Gabrielle Anwar. They did such a good job with that because, because we see Ivy is so good at acting the innocent part and Lady Tremaine here is clearly scared because they've unleashed Gothel and we as an audience even don't know what that means and she gives us she gives us enough something to be worried about in the way that she says it and she said it a couple times up until now that there is clearly something to be scared of and I'm really 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 interested to see what's going to happen now that she is unleashed um but it was a good it was a good part of the story um is the best part of the episode in my opinion this whole storyline um and I'm just really really interested to see where we go from here I feel like what I like so much about the season is that they're not taking forever on these storylines. They're letting them go through a natural cycle and, you know, giving them the proper time that they need, but not dragging it out, which is great. We kind of get, um, we're getting more and more added on to it where we do, you know, we're not searching for Eloise Gardner mm-hmm. for half of the season. And then the other half is about what happens after that. You know, we know who Eloise Gardner is and have closed this case out in the first eight episodes or seven episodes, actually. So that's, you know, fairly, fairly quick. So I, I appreciate that they're not taking too long in these storylines, but they're still keeping us really interested. So I really appreciate that about the season. Yeah, I totally agree. I really liked this storyline as a whole. Like, I liked all of the various interactions between the characters. I loved uh, Victoria's line about, like, you know why she's named Ivy, right? Like, that whole thing was really interesting. Yes. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah, I also loved what you mentioned, like the uh, Drizella and Tremaine scene at the end, where they both know and the warning. I thought that was very well done. What I think is interesting, especially, 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 if what I predicted is true. Remember, Gothel wants revenge against Rapunzel for imprisoning her. What better revenge than using your daughter against you. Yeah. Oh! Revenge, revenge, revenge is gonna be hers. Exactly. I'm just saying. So... usually gone overboard. Yes. Ah. Like, yeah. Oh, I see what you did there. I like it. And, oh my god, the final, not, well, it wasn't the final scene, but that scene where she was pretending to be all weak, and like, oh, why, I have been kidnapped, help me, like, that was amazing, yes, and then, like, the look she gave, she gave, not gave, yes, the look that she gave, um, uh, Tremaine, Belfry, like, oh my god, like, bitch, I got you, yes, what you gonna do now? So that was just beautiful, 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 beautiful. I was here for this storyline as a whole. And I will give 
props to Rumpel, especially since I, like, have shitted on him so much, like, throughout all of the seasons that we've been doing this podcast. I like in this episode that his evolution, uh, his whatever you call it, like, all that time with Belle seems to have changed him because he really seemed very concerned about where Rogers was heading with um, this Eloise Gardner case. And it genuinely looked like he was like looking out for him. Like, don't do what you're going to do because bad things are going to happen, basically. But obviously he can't say it in that way because that would lead to more questions. But uh, I will give props to Rumpel in this episode over his actions. Uh, We'll talk about what happens in the second hour in our next podcast because i have um concerns but other than that like overall i just really loved uh, the case of eloise gardner and the ending was so uh fantastic jenna what about you okay so uh, like katie this was my high point of the episode it was delectably sinister um Ivy, I think, is shaping up to be one of the best villains Once Upon a Time has ever had. She's very smart, practical. She knows how to give punishments just the the most wicked spin. Wicked always wins. Huh? Wicked always wins. It does. Like, she knows how to give... She knows... it's. She would make Regina blush with some of these punishments. Like, having Hook save this person who's wronged him so some so much when he's supposed to, when he's this good virtuous cop um having ronnie fail to adopt a child and then even when these heroes are breaking out of the curse it's like she just knows how to twist the knife that much harder so she's just delectably evil um i really liked roger's character i feel like i think that like, if you weren't already sold on Wishhook, like I was from episode two onward, but just in case you weren't, I think that this makes him, this shows him as, as this real full-fledged character with a history, with a past, with dimensions to his character. So that was really good. Um, I think the scene with Drizella and Tremaine was great, but my highlight of the episode was the Rumple rogers scene in the evidence room. Because um, just Robert Carlyle and Colin have this fantastic chemistry, and seeing and seeing Rumple kind of trying to look out for Rogers, it's as you said, Jeff. It's really compelling. It's it's uh, it's dramatic and different than anything we've ever seen, but kind but kind of has some roots in the familiar. Well, um, it kind of follows what we talked about with the beauty episode, how we've all seen like Rumple legitimately make a different turn to being a better person. Yes, I agree with that. So, yeah. Um, also, I want to point this out. The elevator scene, the sound of the elevator going off has become very iconic to me. Almost as if, almost as iconic as the location itself. Just whenever I hear that bing, it just, my mind instantly goes to once upon a time. And yeah, it, it's weird that like, once has always had iconic locations, but I've never thought of, like, an iconic sound. Maybe the bell of over Rumple shop, but besides that, no, and now there's this elevator. And now I've also kind of realizing that those are both, like, really dark, despicable pace, places where dark and despicable things tend to happen a lot. Um, 
So yeah, that was cool. The whole mystery of, of Eloise Gardner was really compelling. I like how they took something that didn't, a mystery that I guess didn't need as much dimension and gave it dimension. They made, they really made something out of this whole missing girl case, giving her like the whole ex-boyfriend, giving her like a community and like these negligent parents to make her feel real. And it, and it makes the ending sting much more because we know the twist from the flashback. So yeah, I think that that whole mystery came together nicely. It's like what Katie said. This isn't this wasn't dragged out at all. It was kind of allowed to be something full and fledged, and that's what made it a really beautiful, cool arc. Mm-hmm. Really, that's really that's all I've got to say. I can't wait to see how this plays out, especially now that Eloise, the witch, Gothel is on the loose. I like what you also what you said, like Jeff, like using your daughter at using her daughter as revenge like bringing her over to that dark side helping her out basically strengthening the prison that ivy's trying to create and seeing these two work together it's just it's so cool it's i just love it all right and Vinny, what about you what did you think of the whole eloise gardner of it all I am not going to have a different opinion. I think this was the most solid aspect of the entire episode. And I think the reason that I felt that is because it was just so dark. And it was gritty. And it was realistic. No, not realistic. But it. the thing is, once upon a time, we love the show. I love it. Even when they've done darkness in the past seasons, it's always had an element of the almost comical to it, to an extent. There's been some really mm-hmm. dark moments, but... We maybe it was the setting of Storybrooke or the fairy tale one were only options. I don't know, but this to me was almost like I was watching like a mixture of two of my former favorite shows, Gossip Girl and CSI. Maybe a dash of SVU. <laughs> <laughs> you I know, like I, I just Drizella just she reminds me of Georgina Sparks on Gossip Girl. Just the, the complete like I'm she nice. does yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to the dark aspect of it all, what I really love about this season's Hyperion Heights episodes, the more that I get into it, is the maturity of it all. They're really bringing an element of maturity that was not there in a lot of the previous seasons. It was there in moments, but it's more static now. I love that Hook found a body. I love that we got to see Hook and Weaver working this, well, not really working the scene, but Weaver was, you know, and Hook going all like Brad Pitt and Seven, what's in the box? Where's Eloise Gardner? Um, it was really well played. Played by O'Donoghue, just the the level of obsession, and you really did believe like what he was going through. Um, I loved the Tilly aspect of it. I, I absolutely like my heart broke when he looked at her and said, "I'm disappointed. You're not the person I thought you were." You know, like that. That just was like, "Oh my God, it's your daughter, but you both don't know it. Maybe she does. She does it." But it, it, that moment was oh, it was awesome. Uh, I love the warehouse scene. I absolutely adored Victoria with her hair out of place for like. It was so awesome to see her off her game finally, because you remember I commented on that like last last time when like my favorite moment was her almost getting her face ripped off by Tilly because it was the only moment we saw her kind of crack for a second. We're starting to see like Victoria is not as put together as we thought she was. 
I mean, she is, but she did not count on her daughter. She underestimated her. And it's really coming back. But I love the dynamic that we have going on because, honestly, I still can't tell who the big, big bad is going to be. Is it going to be Gothel? Is it going to be Drizella? Is Victoria going to get out of prison and, like, raise holy hell? And I love that they have me second-guessing who is going to come out as the biggest bad because it's really well done with what they've got going on here. And that actually kind of leads me to my own weird crack theory. So I think that you're kind of on the right track, uh, Jeff, with your idea that Rapunzel could be Lady Tremaine. I take that one further, and I'm beginning to think that Rapunzel might be Anastasia. And crickets. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, well, I was about to like go through the timeline in my head, but on this show, timelines really don't matter. Right. Well, <laughs> it's true, yeah. I, I got kind of like thinking yeah. about it last night, and... <clears throat> It, the name thing would have to be explained, but... Let, well, we don't know Lady Tremaine's first name. I'm exactly. Well, no, I'm talking about, like, Anastasia. Oh, we know okay. that's first name, but, like, we don't, the Rapunzel Anastasia would need to be explained. But I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, say if that was the case, somehow Anastasia ran away or whatever, the witch got her, but she got away from the witch and went back to her family, and her mother was so happy that she was back, she was the favorite daughter, whatever. But when the witch escapes... She comes back, and in that time, whatever happened to Anastasia with Jacinda and whatever happened to, like, you know, make her there, the witch is like, oh, shit, I can't get my revenge. But if I hook up with the mama and make her think I'm on her side and I manipulate the daughter who feels unloved and would love to get revenge on her sister, maybe – that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is I was trying to justify, like, why the witch would be working with Victoria at all other than being in servitude so i'm working out the details but that's kind of my weird crack theory is that maybe in some way shape or form anastasia is the one the witch is actually after okay Uh, that's interesting well because see because i could explain away why gothel is working for rapunzel because rapunzel aka jermaine would have found some way to trap her again and and because she needs someone with magic and obviously she might use magic a little bit here and there she's not proficient in it and uh, since she knows at least in my opinion she prefers anastasia because anastasia is good versus her maybe knowing from a very early age that uh drizella was going to be evil um and and knowing that drizella uses magic and is now proficient in magic she needs someone magical uh, you know to mm-hmm. uh go against her yeah it'll it'll be i'm really curious to see how it ends up because I, I have a feeling one of us is going to be right i i think that it's like we're very close on the radar mm-hmm. um other than that, the, the yeah, this whole part of the episode was the strongest. I, I do agree with Katie that like the other parts did feel kind of choppy and I couldn't put my finger on it, even though I like them. But this part was very cohesive. It showed a lot of characters interacting with each other in like really awesome ways like the weaver and hook dynamic in that scene like watching rumple like jana was talking about you know kind of go to bat to like prevent hook like setting up that whole page thing the rumple that we know would not have given two shits about hook he would have been like okay victoria you know send big burly john to go beat the crap out of him kill him you know but i really like that aspect of it um additionally just i i i think my favorite scene 
of the entire episode was just the entire segment in two parts, which was the walk with the side eye, like we just talked about with Gothel being like, what now, bitch? And then the Drizilla reveal with Victoria. Even though Victoria already knew before that scene by the police car that Drizella was awake, just the way that Drizella still, she did not even blink when she switched character. Like, she just, like, slipped off that skin and was like, hi, mommy, you're dumb, I won. You know, like, it, it was like a blink of an eye. And just Victoria showing the desperation and just, like, I got goosebumps. Like, I, Gothel better live up to, like, the expectations that they're setting with this, like, she's, like, the magical equivalent of Godzilla or something. <laughs> because I'm really curious to see what she's going to do now that she's free. All right. So... Now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. So, eeny, meeny, miny, Vinny, you may go first. Victoria. Totally Victoria. I, you know, she has been such like the regina prime buildup, but to watch her get the rug pulled out from under her and she still well i can't really talk about that till next episode but she she still maintained her plan i'll leave it at that um i don't know i, I just really felt that victoria was a strong aspect this episode it, it, up until now she's just been i'm gonna walk in on my heels and i'm gonna intimidate you and be a bitch and i'm gonna walk out but I don't know, something about her just really struck out to me this episode, the way that she just calculatedly was trying to, like, stay ahead and, like, thought she got one up on her daughter, only to find out that she didn't. And then to actually, and maybe I'm reading too much in it, when she said, do you know what you've done, you silly girl, I almost, like, felt the slightest hint of concern for Drizella's welfare, like buried under all of the the hatred of everyone else and like wanting to get her daughter other daughter back like i honestly felt for a second like i know more than you do i know that you hate me but you've just done something that is going to damn us all and i'm sorry that you've done this but we'll see all right katie your mvp and why okay um i have been thinking about it and i have two people but I'm going to go with the most obvious one because that's me. <laughs> no kidding. <And laughs> Don't you mean gnome kidding? I, yes. Oh, it's the gnome. <laughs> it's the gnome. <laughs> it, no, 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 no. Anyways, he, uh, he, oh, yeah. You gave it actually. away. Oh, you my know. gosh. I can't think right Is it now. Regina? No. <laughs> okay. So my MVP is Hook. I'm gonna go with him, um, both in both his both his uh, Rogers version and his Wish Hook version. I really he's the same person. Well, <laughs> I, I I'm it... saying both of his storylines in this episode. That's were better. Good. There you go. <laughs> I really liked. That we finally got to see him follow through with this case that he's been, you know, stuck on for all these years, quote unquote. Uh, 
his character believes that he's been stuck on. And um, to see him finally close that out was, you know, rewarding for him. Even if we know that, you know, it's not going to turn out very great, it's still cool to see him go through that and to see all the emotions um, that he was going through with that. And also to see him in the Wish realm and the Magical Forest. Um, I love seeing Hook and all of his pirate gear, whether it's the Hook we know and love or if it's Wish Hook, which who are getting to love or getting more of a chance to love. Um, I just, I really like his character. There's no, you know, lie about that. He's one of my favorites. And he still continued to follow through with this episode. So he is my MVP. All right. I'm going to go next because I honestly don't want to roll the dice with Jenna because no one has picked the only one that I really wanted for MVP. <laughs> Sorry, wow. Jenna. I don't trust you. No, let me stop. Oh, I know. Me. I so should That's have gone with the gnome. I should have just to piss all of you off. You yeah. I know, but I'm not. I'm going with <laughs> Weaver. I'm giving it to wow. Weaver. I just really, really liked all of his scenes in this episode. I have to give him props for his chat with Rogers. I just liked it, and uh, Katie's probably floored because uh, I am. I know. I'm complete. I'm laying on the floor. It's shocking. I know. I agree, especially after my history with Rumpel on this podcast. <laughs> but I have to give props to Weaver. I really liked him in this episode, and uh, for that, uh, well, for the reveal that he knows where the dagger is, props to that, and for that conversation with. Uh, rogers in the evidence room i just really liked it so weaver for me jenna what about you your mvp and why okay um believe it or not it was actually uh i was actually at a conflict and that's disregarding all of and that was taking all of your choices into consideration between two characters um one was a cameo that i really liked seeing and the other was a character that i think did a really good job in this episode but in the end of the day I have to take the character into consideration more, so I'm going to say Ivy. She was deliciously evil this time around. Yes. Just in every scene that she was in, she was menacing and cool, and she's just show she shows off the strength of her curse just in every look that she gives, in every little twist of the knife, in every word she says, and just how and I like how how intelligent she is, like how she's not letting anybody know the cards in her hand, and even if she shows the cards, you're already trapped by the time you've seen them. There's nothing you can do about it. So, she's just fantastic. Um, Adelaide's acting was superb. Uh, yeah, there's really not much else to say. I think she's growing to become one of the, one of my favorite villains in this entire series. Awesome. I know that the cameo was me, but in yeah. my heart, you're really talking about the gnome. Of course. <laughs> I but knew that's it. The gnome of your business. Yes. And Katie, <laughs> keep your thoughts to yourself. Okay. Well, I no, will. don't keep your thoughts to yourself because it's like a podcast, <laughs> so you, you need to share your thoughts. So that'd be a really boring podcast. I know, right? Yeah. Thank okay. You, yeah. 
So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. We will be doing a rewind. So reverse order, that means Jenna, you are first. Thank you. Um, so this episode had a lot of good qualities. Had it not been for the rape scene, I think I would have I would have been very happy to give this a golden apple. But it did happen, and I feel like I personally have to take a lot of points off of that. So it goes from being a golden apple to being a 6 out of 10. So, yeah, that it shows I, well, I really do want better depictions of these types of this type of content in media should you wish to show it and i'm not afraid to say that, that has some consequences if it's not shown so yep had a lot of great moments in there could have been fantastic but what are you gonna do all right so i am next i thought it was a decent episode obviously we discussed the whole assault of it all earlier in the podcast so i, I won't go into that again but as far as like the actual storylines, uh, the uh, plot moving forward, the twists and the reveals, I thought it was a strong episode when it came to that. Obviously, the whole Ronnie, Jacinda, and Henry storyline was kind of just there. I mean, they needed to do it just because of continuity's sake. But everything else was a little bit more interesting. I love that we have found Eloise Gardner in the present. I like that uh, Victoria, I was about to call her Tremaine, Victoria knows that uh, Ivy is Drisella, that she's awake. I love that the witch is on the loose. And... Uh, just the conversation, as I mentioned, between Rogers and Weaver and, and Tilly with Rogers. Uh, there were a lot of really great moments in the episode. So because of all of that, I'm going to give it eight and a half apples. Katie. Yes. Katie. Okay. Come on, Katie. Yes. Yes. Well... I am actually going to go with Jenna's rating and give it a six. And I think it's just because, like I said at the beginning, I, I can't really put my finger on it. Um, but it wasn't my favorite episode. Um, there certainly were really good moments in it that I really did like. But it's not one of those episodes that I would go back and you know choose to watch or choose to list as one of my favorites of all time. So I'm going to give it a six just because I felt it was choppy. I didn't like the gnome. Uh, there were just things in it that <laughs> I didn't really Hater. like that much. Oh, yeah, look, I Jenna has jumped on the hate train. train. I like it. I'm mailing you a gnome for Christmas. <laughs> okay, nope. I'll send it back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you could send it to your you-know-who. Yeah, yep. That's a good idea. Okay, so I'm just going to give it a 6 out of 10. Apples. Vinny, what about you? I'm probably going to shock you. Just saying. Oh my but gosh. 
I preface this with as much as I had good things to say about this episode. You probably caught a couple of times where I like agreed with Katie about the choppiness and uh, a couple other points. Um, I give it a five and a half. I think this was a solid wow. episode. Whoa! Yeah. I thought I was <laughs> but here's why. I, I I think that this episode continues a trend that we've seen since episode one, and that is Katie pointed out in the beginning choppiness. They need to find a happy, synchronistic cadence between the flashbacks and the current day. I think that in every episode, it's one of those periods suffers a loss in quality or cadence or transition. You know, it's like in the Bell episode, most of the, the really solid stuff was in the flashbacks. The present stuff was good but choppy. And, and it's happened a lot in almost every episode. And I think the show is still trying to find the right balance. And they need to because I really feel that it's frustrating as a viewer, even though I liked the flashback scenes and I liked the present scenes in this episode, I, I did have that nagging feeling. I'm like, these flashbacks probably could have been done a little bit closer together or a little bit longer or, you know, a little bit differently. Um, and, but then you have the other side where like the other part of the episode was just so phenomenal. It was so great, but because of the choppiness, it also kind of suffered because there were a couple times and I was like, wait, which storyline? Oh, okay. Um, so I, I think it was a middle ground episode because of those predominant factors for me, even though there were really awesome moments, nothing was like an, Oh my God, you know, come to Regina moment. Um, I'm saying Regina in lieu of Jesus, just cause you know, uh, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I, I, I think that it, it was a decent middle line episode with some great points, but could have been better. All right. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Nighty-night. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night.